And I believe you're talking about Moses today. So let's pray for Paul. Feel free to stretch out a hand as we pray for him. So Father, we just pray for Paul as he comes to speak to us today. Would you give him your words to share with us? Would you give us ears to hear what you want to say through him as well? So we just bless this time together. Would your Holy Spirit come and work in him now? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, great. Everything's working. Well, it's great to be here. Um, I've been away for like a month. Um, don't know if you noticed. Uh, <laughs> Some of you like, I've been away a month as well. Yeah, and I've been um, um, speaking to different churches and in relation to the discussion uh, that we're doing at the moment and we're talking about calling and um, some of the different mission partners. Um, some of you will be aware that I am one of the part of the mission partners with my wife. So I literally got back a Friday um, from Egypt and um, Ethiopia. So, and I might share some stories on that later on. But as you know, some of you might be aware, if you've been coming the last few weeks, we do, we've been doing over the last few months just a, a series built around this idea of kind of renew. We felt like God was saying to us as a church that he was calling us to renew and, uh, and that's looked like a number of different areas, but we're focusing particularly on this kind of renewed calling and vision and purpose. And so we've had this slide kind of come up a number of times, this idea that God is inviting us as a church to kind of renew our commitment to him, to kind of renew our, our, as a church to kind of community life and relationships. And the last series we did was on the Holy Spirit, and so this kind of renew our expectation of the Holy Spirit's presence and power. And so this kind of fits in a bit in yellow, and this kind of series that we're looking at, renewing our understanding of our calling, our vision, and our purpose. And so over the last few weeks, I might not have been here, but I've been aware of what's been happening, and so... Um, kind of Mark Iles kind of was looking at the calling of Abraham... And then Wendy was looking at the calling of uh, David. And so we've been looking at this, beginning to look at this as a church. What does it mean to renew our calling? Each one of us has a calling, a purpose, a meaning in our lives. And what does that mean for each one of us as we seek to maybe identify that, become aware of that, to step into that, to keep pressing into that? And as has been mentioned already, we're partly doing this series because over the last few weeks, we've also just been talking about just for some people that their calling upon their life means a calling to go overseas. And so, again, two weeks ago when I wasn't here, you would have seen a video of me just talking about some of the work I do amongst Muslims, because I think most people think all I do is work full-time for the church. And then last week, we had... Um, uh, Ned and Arusso just sharing about the things that they are doing there in Brazil. Obviously, we just had David and Mary Leswell talking about the stuff that they're doing uh, in Bosnia. And next week, there's another video that you have to wait and uh, to look forward to. And so today, I want to just think about this idea of calling. And we're going to look at the story of Moses. So if I could just call Roger forward uh, just to just read... Uh, just some verses from Exodus 3 and, and Exodus chapter 4.
Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through the bush, Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, the Lord said to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I say? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground and became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that, um, they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, 
neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who gave them, who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. Thank you very much, Roger. I feel like I see the Anglican fiend and say, blessed be the word of the Lord. And, um, and it is. And um, I deliberately kind of didn't get, you to read, get Roger to read everything from chapters 3 and 4, because no, I might not have any time just to share some principles. But I'd encourage you to kind of go away uh, and to maybe read both those uh, chapters. And even just reading the chapters beforehand that kind of give a, a context uh, for this story. Just to kind of give you a very quick summary, if you haven't ever read it before, but you have this idea of Moses, he's an Israelite, he's born into Egypt where they're being oppressed. Through a miraculous intervention of God, he ends up being raised up uh, in kind of Pharaoh, the ruler's um, family. He kind of feels this kind of tug upon his heart that he should do something to help out the Israelites. Uh, and in seeking to do that, he ends up killing an Israelite, um, an Egyptian, and um, he ends up running away because they want to get hold of him, and he ends up in this situation that we have in the desert. And, um, and then God turns up. I just love that when you read in the, in the Bible and you, you read in different stories and situations where it kind of looks a little bit dire, looks a bit broken, then you get this thing like God turns up or you get this kind of phrase like but so and so so but and we kind of got one of these situations where God just turns up through a burning bush to speak to him and uh, one thing I like that you get in some translations is you get this kind of phrase where it says the bush was burning and then Moses turned aside and then God spoke to him. But there seems to be something significant between this kind of turning aside and God speaking. Moses' life was going to totally change because he turned aside to give attention to God. And so my first kind of challenge, encouragement today as we are here and we're thinking about this idea of calling is this challenge to turn aside. I would encourage you even Right now, I don't know what's going through your mind. You might be thinking about some of the other slides. You might be thinking about what you're going to be doing on this great sunny afternoon, evening. But in our hearts, let us turn aside. He had to give his attention to God. You know, he had a lot of things that he was dealing with. You know, to be able to turn aside, to focusing on God, he had to turn away from other things. He had to turn away from his sheep. He had to turn away, actually, from his job and his uh, responsibilities. You could argue these were all good things. But he had to turn aside and listen to God. He had to turn aside from his career, his family, and all those other things just to hear what God wanted to say. And I believe for some of us, God's just waiting for us to turn aside. He wants to speak to us. 
And, um, and if you know, one of the things that we value in this church is being very practical. And so I'm just going to create a moment to turn aside and give our focus to God. And, and so my first question is, what are the sheep? What are those things that are just bouncing around in your mind? And they might be very good things. But to hear the voice of God, we've got to turn aside from those things and hear the voice that God wants to speak to us. And there's an ancient practice called um, kind of centering prayer. And centering prayer really just means centering yourself in on God. And the way that works is just, just as I'm speaking, just begin just to still yourself. Just begin to maybe bring a, a verse, maybe even just a phrase, like, Jesus, I love you. Just let go of all those things that are bouncing around in your mind. Those sheep, those responsibilities, whatever that means and looks like to you. Just acknowledge God in this moment. God's here. We've been talking a lot about fire um, in the songs this morning. We we just turn aside. So you can be focused on songs. You can even be focused on the, the talk. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we're focused in what God is saying to us. And in this moment, ask him, what does he want to say to you? Moses' life was never the same again after he turned aside. What does God want to say to you? You see, in the story, he reveals himself. He reveals information about who Moses is. God is always wanting to do that. What's he wanting to say to you in this season? I think particularly that some people here are going through transitions in their life. And always God has something to say about those transitions. What's he wanting to say to you? So I'm just going to have a bit of silence. And if you find your minds wandering, going back to your sheep, wherever that might be, maybe just use a phrase like, Jesus, I love you. And just begin just to refocus yourself in on God. going to bring you back, but I'd encourage you to have, even as I carry on speaking, but kind of as a lifestyle, having that kind of posture of turning aside. You know, being aware of the things that distract us. What is competing for our focus? I was asked recently, um, you know, to define spiritual formation, and then I gave them a whole load of different definitions, but one definition I gave was spiritual formation is learning to more and more live from that place where our focus is utterly and totally on God and living from that place. 
and learning to develop a lifestyle where we turn aside. Even if it's just a heart posture when we're in environments and situations that we just bring our posture and our focus in on God. So as we want to step into God's calling, to state the obvious, we need to hear his voice. We need to turn aside. Secondly, I just want to say we, we all have a calling on our lives. We're all unique, and God has a specific kind of purpose for us. God has got stuff that he wants us to do on earth. I don't know if you've ever kind of had these kind of thoughts going through your mind when you think, why doesn't God fix this issue that we are experiencing or that we are seeing in the world? Sometimes the question that people have, and I have this, uh, I don't know if Stephen's had it, that's why I'm pointing at him, but sometimes in church we have this situation where something's happening and people come and say, what's the church doing about this? I remember the founder of the, the vineyard, somebody came to him and uh, he was aware of uh, just a load of poor people that were kind of gathering often outside the church because of their location. And he went up to this guy, John Wimber, and he says, you know, what's, what are you doing about this? What's the church doing about this? And John Wimber, in a very kind of kind and gentle way, said, well, what are you doing about it? And the person's like, what's this going to do with me? And John Wimber said, well, you're part of this church. And, um, and I think sometimes we either look at God or we look at the church and say, what, is, what, what are you doing about this? And I think we can learn some lessons from the life of Moses. You see, God just kind of begins to point back and says, you are part of the solution. It's interesting when you read kind of this passages, this is Exodus 3, 7 to 8, the, the verses you have up on the screen. You know, and God says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. So God says, I'm going to do it. And so it could be quite easy for Moses to go, oh, phew, great, thank you, God. And then he says, I'm sending you. And it's interesting as you read stories, and I love reading stories. Um, I try to have what I call a balanced diet when it comes to reading books. So I often have like a more kind of theological book that looks at in-depth things about who God is and how he works. And then I always have like a biography, particularly as I just said, I've been traveling. And so you end up spending a load of time in airports. So I always try to order a biography, autobiography before I go. And so ironically, because I just happened to be going to Egypt, I just ordered this book. And um, Mama Maji. And, um, and in this story, there's a famous location in Egypt. It's called the kind of the garbage uh, kind of city area. It's where all the rubbish collectors uh, kind of live. And um, she just began to go there like, roughly like once a month. And just felt like she should just go there and help out. And so she was kind of crying out to God and saying, God, what are you doing about this situation? I see so much need. I see so much brokenness. God, you've got to do something. And God said to her, uh, how about you? Why don't you be the answer to the prayer that you are praying? And so the whole book is about her giving up her career, and that doesn't necessarily mean that because a lot of people that she works with are doing their kind of normal jobs, but how they allocate their free time is to help uh, the people living in what's called the garbage city of Egypt. 
And so my challenge to us is, what's the things that are breaking our hearts? What are the things that we can look at and think, God, why don't you do something in that place? Uh, and so probably for me, is a, a, a good example. Uh, I remember, uh, well over 20 years ago, I'm going to show my age now. Um, I felt like God just stirring my heart about going overseas. Those who don't know, haven't figured out for my accent, I wasn't born in the UK. Um, so I have this kind of fascinating combination of accents. And, um, and having been brought up overseas, I was like, God, do you want me to go overseas? And what does that mean? What does that look like? And so God began to lay out my heart. The thing that began to bother me, and that was for me, and this is for me, was just Muslims. You know, that there are like 1.6, 1.7 billion of them. And then figures like roughly only 1% of people sent overseas to work. Uh, overseas go to Muslims because they were seen as too hard, too difficult. Uh, 0.01 giving towards missions goes towards those who are working with Muslims. And I began to look at this and kind of thinking, this is not fair, this is not right. And God says, yeah, you're right. But what are you going to do about it, Paul? And, and so for me, and just using me as an example, you've got to figure out what it looks like for you. But for me, it meant literally 20 years ago, um, Katie and I went with our daughter, Hannah, age one, to go and work in Lebanon. Then we ended up going to Egypt. And yeah, and still that's predominantly what I do because it still bothers me. It's still the thing that agitates me the most. It's still probably one of the things, apart from maybe a good film that makes me cry, um, because that's the thing I look at. My question and my, my challenge to us as a church is, because it will be different things for different people, what is it that's pulling at your heart? What's the injustice, the brokenness, the unfairness that you see around you? And what does that look like for you? And it can mean different things. It doesn't necessarily mean the same thing as what it involved uh, for me, which is giving up my, I used to be a university lecturer, giving up my um, academic career to go and do that. What does it look like for you? We have a calling, and we're going to step into it. Going to step into our calling. Sometimes we need to deal with past disappointments and failures. And I kind of mentioned this already as you look at the context of Exodus. Moses had tried in his own strength in some ways to kind of work this problem out. And he had run away and now he was on the backside of a mountain. And having been in Egypt, I can tell you, however you want to picture Mount Sinai, it's desert. And uh, all around it, and kind of mountain is desert. And he was hurt and he was disappointed. Maybe he was still kind of licking his, his wounds. Maybe he thought he had blown it. He had murdered someone. He was like, how can a holy God use him again? Maybe his dreams and his aspirations had kind of evaporated away. His hope to change the world, his hope to change that situation. And now he was stuck on a mountainside looking after sheep. And I think for some people, as I share that, you might be able to relate to that. Maybe you feel like you're in a desert situation. Maybe when we've been doing this series about calling over the last few weeks, you remember seeing that God said to you very specifically and clearly. And you're kind of looking at it and you're thinking, what happened? And I feel that one of the things that God wants to do is just to kind of call afresh, call that out again, to bring back to mind some of those things, to release hope again. 
just to stir that up. See, God is a God of hope. He's a God who does not forget us. He's a God who doesn't forget about our calling. He's a God who can call us from the desert place and call us back into what he has for us. He's a God, maybe relating to that song we sang today, where we see the ruins and he says, this is a foundation where I can see the kingdom of God be established. We see ruins, we see brokenness, we see disappointment, we see frustration. And he's like, will you turn aside and just step back into what I have for you? And that applies to to everybody. I feel particularly, I've been thinking about this for a few weeks, and sometimes when we begin to talk about things like calling, we tend to think maybe about calling as something for younger people. You know, um, calling, or you finished school or university, you know, or you can maybe making a career change in your kind of 20s or, or, or 30s. And that, this, obviously, these talks apply to that. But I also feel like for some of you, it might apply maybe in your latter years. He still has a calling for you. There's still the best to come. It's not like that was for the past. And I don't know if that applies to loads of you, but I feel like there's at least a few of you, and I'd like to pray for you, you know, part of the kind of ministry. He still has a calling. You are not on the backside of a mountain if you would turn aside and, and step into what he wants for you. So just to kind of look at a few more points quickly in the sense of stepping out into our calling. Firstly, we just need to kind of get over us, uh, just various fears that people might have sometimes. One of the things you notice with, with Moses when God calls him, you know, years ago he was very confident, but now he's not. And in Exodus 3 verse 11, he says, you know, who am I? Who am I? And I think this is sometimes when we begin to hear God's call upon our lives, we begin to think, who am I? Rather than kind of bringing our focus in on who is he? Who is God Almighty? Some of you, again, know my story, actually, the way I first connected with Winchester Vineyard uh, was about 13, 14 years ago. And working there in Egypt, I burnt myself out. And it's probably a combination of reasons, but I think a lot of it began to focus in on me. It's like, how am I uh, in the city of Alexandria, Egypt, about one believer to every million, million people ever going to co- have anything to change? I began to look at myself and I took my eyes off God. We need to remind ourselves, who's the one who's calling us? Moses' mindset and expectation was at rock bottom. Now this task which he thought was easy at one point, a couple of chapters before, now seemed impossible. He thought it was underqualified. But God said, no, it's me that is the important thing. It's interesting, one of my roles in my, my work for this mission organization, Frontiers, is I have the joy of training any, anybody from the UK going to work uh, overseas. And I often have this kind of conversation with a number of different people. You know, I find that they over, feel like they're overqualified, and, and then I worry for those people. But generally, people just feel like, who am I? I felt like God called me to go to places like Yemen, Afghanistan. What can I do in those situations? And part of my role and job is begin to help them look at God. You see, that is what matters. That is what is important. 
Again, maybe I'm in a classic situation. I go, you know, I'm one of the worst people on paper to go and work overseas. I'm terrible at languages. People go, oh, you're good. You can speak Spanish. I was born in Colombia. Um, it's not hard to learn a language and you've lived your first 11 years of your life there. People go, oh, you know some Arabic. Having lived like 11 years uh, in the Middle East, my Arabic's rubbish. Um, I'm an introvert. I like my own space. Um, in a sense of kind of going out to um, share people. I like, um, if you know, there's a uh, test called Myers-Briggs. For some of you, that means a lot. For some of you, have no idea what it means. Uh, and I've got time to explain it. But really, I'm what's called a J. I like to things to be really nice and organized. Uh, not, I don't like things being uncertain and not clear. Uh, and just research shows that's one of the worst kind of people to go and work overseas because you're dealing in environments where things are changing all the time. And uh, my wife is the opposite. She's great with languages. She's great at talking to people, chit-chatting. And she can deal with what I think of as just chaos. And um, so on paper, you look at it, and I could easily go, God, who am I? But God just said, Paul, I want you to go. And that's it. I have a choice. And I think as soon as we look at these situations, and we can quite easily come up with all the reasons why we shouldn't do something. Or why somebody else might be better in that situation. But God is just saying, I want you to go and do it. And I am going to be with you. I don't know if uh, do the guys are kind of focused in on this, but one of the things you see in the Bible is God at different moments and different times goes and calls people. And each calling is different. But pretty much in every calling that there is in the Bible is this phrase where God says, I am going to be with you. Probably one of the most famous ones in relation to us talking about people working overseas is the Great Commission, you know, go into all the world. And then right at the end it says, I will be with you. And that's crucial. I mean, if I had more time, I might do a whole talk on that, but I don't. But there's something in that kind of phrase that when we get that from our head into our hearts, that he is with us, it will change everything. So maybe I'll just throw that out as something to kind of chew over this week. God, give us a greater understanding that you are with us. And what's the outworking of that as it comes to our calling? Secondly, in terms of calling, stepping out, we have to get over our fears of people's opinions. What are they going to think about this? You know, in Exodus 4, verse 1, Moses says, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? And so often, particularly when God calls us to do things, people be begin to say, What does the other person think? That's why we need to make sure we have that burning bush experience and hear what God says. And again, I could give you example after example, and I'll just give you examples from my situation where I do it all the time. People are like, What are you doing, Paul? You know, you are. A university academic, one of the top universities in the UK, why are you going to go and work overseas? At that time, I was also a senior pastor because I've always liked to multitask jobs. And for some people, that's like their pinnacle in church. Why are you giving up being a senior pastor? Because I feel like God's saying something to me. Why are you taking your one-year-old daughter to Lebanon, which is just about finished having a, a civil war? And if you are going to go to Lebanon, do you have to go and live with a Hezbollah and Hamas? Not maybe the most safe area to go. But it's to do with obeying God. And I see this again and again. One of my great joys and, and challenges over the last couple of months was 
uh, sending a couple out, a young couple uh, in the late 20s, just had their first um, baby, and going to work in Yemen. First workers from any organization to get back into Yemen since the civil war broke out a number of years ago. And they had lots of people just going like, you're nuts. And maybe they are. But then I often find the thing that God calls us into are nuts. What does it mean for us? You see, I mean, I'm giving maybe some extreme uh, examples. But often when people begin to think about calling, it's like, what are people going to think? We need to know what God thinks. Let that be the determinant of what we do and why we do it. What's God saying? And lastly, I kind of touched on this a little bit already. Kind of his fear of thinking he's not good enough, not having the abilities. And Moses kind of talks about this in particular in relation just to his, his slowness of speech and tongue. And um, you know, disqualifying himself from that. You know, I often think about that even in relation to the, the role I'm doing here and just, just speaking. You know, often, even when I speak in the UK, I often have to, particularly in the new place, I have to explain who I am and where I'm from. You know, or even for my organization, I've been asked to just do some videos and I keep wondering why they keep asking me to do them because my, my accent is one of the hardest for people to kind of understand because they just, they can't pigeonhole it into a certain thing. And um, and often had this conversation with, with, with Katie because she's, as a linguist, very aware of some of my infallibilities when it comes with missing certain letters out as I speak. And I just go, maybe it's because I just say yes. And what are the things that maybe we're saying? What is the slowness of speech for us? Where are the things in our life where we felt like God kind of took on our hearts but we kind of said, I can't do it because of this. You see, when God calls us, he's going to help us. It's interesting in this story when he says that, you know, I'm slowness of speech and God says, I will help both of you speak and I'll teach you what to do. Like I said, I'm not the greatest on English. But um, it seems to me that it's pointing to the future. You know, sometimes we say, Lord God, I will do that. And once you've done this. But he's like, no, I'm going to help you, but you're going to have to step out. He uses the future tense. And again, maybe that's something that God's saying to you. God's been challenging you about something. And you say, well, once this happens, once this changes, once I have this gifting, maybe once you know, the kids go, you know, once, you know, just you fill in the gap with whatever you want in your situation. But we often I find we say, once this changes, then I will do that. Yes, God, I've heard you speak, but it's not the right time or whatever reason. And I feel like God's just saying, will you just say yes? And I will figure it out. So just as I come to conclude, that's your warning, Stephen. Um, we each have got a calling upon our life. Every one of us. Maybe as I'm speaking and you think about calling, maybe you're here in this church for the first time and maybe the first calling you have to respond to is the calling of Jesus saying, come follow me. And maybe that's you. All you need to say is yes. It's pretty much the same answer to all callings. And say, yes, God, I want to follow you. I want to obey you. 
I want you to be in charge of my life. And if that's something you want to do, maybe come and speak to Stephen or myself afterwards. But it doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, what situation in life you are at, what season of life you are in. You have got a calling. Now, this might change how it looks, how it works, might vary according to what stage of life you're in and what's happening in your life. But it's there. Are we going to say yes? And in particular, I, um, we're going to create an opportunity just to respond to God. Maybe, Stephen, you might want to c- come up now because you might have some thoughts. But uh, the couple of things that were just in my mind in particular um, were in relation to maybe a calling that you've had on your life and you've kind of, for whatever reason, felt like you stepped away from it. And God's just afresh bringing that back to you and saying, now is the time to say yes, like Moses. And I feel also there's some people that, you know, you can fill in the gap and going, I'm too young, I'm too old, I like this, I like that. And God's saying, it's time to step into the calling that God has for you. So I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to create, we've got space and time just to respond. God, I thank you that you are the God who comes to us in our situations. We get so busy, caught up with life, Lord. But you come to us like you did to Moses. And Lord, I pray, Lord, this morning, Lord, it'll be like a burning bush time where you're trying to get our attention and you're calling forth our name because you want something to say to us. You want to remind us or maybe tell us for the first time what it is. What is our calling? What is our purpose in this season for our lives? And so, God, give us the courage, give us the boldness, God, to look to you, God, and to say yes.